0: Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We want you to know our heart as a church, it's just that you don't read signs that say welcome home but that you feel and experience welcome home. And so hope today that you experience that, but let's jump right into the message. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Luke chapter 10, or maybe if you have a Bible app on your phone, you can go to Luke chapter 10. We'll also have a big Bible on the screen. If you don't have any of that, and if you want a Bible, we actually have some free ones in our info area. If you want a Bible, go grab one. Uh, Just somebody nice will be there and you say, hey, can I have a Bible? And we'll give you one. Um, So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Now, I do want to tell you where we're going as a church because next week we're going to start a brand new series that I'm really excited about, that we're calling How to Live Through a Bad Day. Come on. How to Live Through a Bad Day. Has anybody ever had a bad day? Anybody had a bad day? Come on. Some of y'all are lying. Some of y'all are lying in church, okay? How many had a bad week? Okay, like I've had bad weeks. Anybody had a bad year? Anybody had a bad year? Okay. Bad decade? Okay, I'm sorry. We'll pray for you, okay? (laughs) Yeah, the 80s. It was tough, okay? You know? (laughs) And so, you know, like, we we all have bad days. And the truth is, we we all have bad days. And if you read through the Bible, what you'll see, actually, if you read through the Bible, you'll see a lot of people in the Bible having bad days. And in fact, Jesus even had bad days. And his worst day is a day that we actually call Good Friday. It's a day that he was arrested, and he was uh, put on trial And then he was he was crucified on a cross and it was a bad day. It was his worst day, but that we call Good Friday. But the truth is, it was only good for us. But for him, it was a really hard day. And if you study the Gospels, if you study Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the first four books of the the New Testament, and you can read through that that day and the Bible records seven different statements that Jesus says on the cross and so we're excited that in this series, we're going to actually study those seven statements, the seven statements that Jesus said on the cross. And what's cool is that not only did he pay for our sins, which is very, very, very good news, but he also teaches us things along the way that apply to each and our lives. And so we'll start that series next week. But this week is what we call a standalone week. We actually, um, we're not in a series this week. We typically try to do, we pray and we prepare and we plan out really far in advance, kind of our sermon series and where we need to go together as a church. But then we strategically place weeks like this in between these series because we also wanna be sensitive to what God's saying right now. And I'm really excited because I've been praying a lot about this week, and and I believe that God's given me something specifically for our church. In fact, I think it's going to be a very very big uh, Sunday for our church. I, I'm, I'm even I even called it like a line in the sand day. Um, and so maybe maybe you're brand new to our church. I want to let you know that over the next 30 minutes, I'm going to try my very best to communicate the heart of our church. That I'm going to try my very best to communicate what we believe that God has called our church to be in this city and kind of come back to saying like, Hey, I know we've been talking about all these different things in our silent kir- this our silent killer series, but let's go back to what God has called us to be and what he's called us to do. And so if you're never here, it's actually a great week because you'll get to hear the heart of our church. And maybe you've been here and you've been kind of like kicking the tires for a few weeks. Is this going to be my place? Here's the deal tonight sorry it's not tonight it's actually today it's today it is eleven thirty 30 right now hey him but i'm gonna try my very best to communicate something that's a really big deal to us and so over the next few minutes i want to talk to you and and take notes okay um like we we provide that for you we, we like to say that note takers are history makers only because they remember it because they wrote it down um and so you can write down this message title because we're going to talk over the next few minutes and it's we're just going to jump right into it. I hope that's okay. And it, we're going to be talking about the other side is no longer an option. The other side is no longer an option. And here's the deal, church. I am going to give you my very best over the next few minutes. I'm going to try to communicate everything I believe God's put in my heart and I'm going to ask that you give me your best. Um, if, if you're new around here, we love to say that we don't play church. We're not in here to play some religious game. We are in here to meet with God. We are not in here to hear from me. Hear that. We are not here to hear from a man. We're here to hear from God. So that a dream of a church that when we walk out of here, we're different than when we walked in. That our weeks are different. Our Mondays are different because of what we experience here. And so I'm so excited. Like, my, my dad grew up in middle Tennessee and kind of like the backwoods. I actually grew up in the middle of 22,000 acres. And my dad used to always say stuff like, you know, like, uh, I'm ready to go bear hunting with a switch. Okay. Like, I'm, 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 I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Okay. But let's pause before we, before we jump into the message in the scripture today. And let's just pray. And let's invite God in. Okay. No matter where your week's been, no matter if it's been a good week, bad week insignificant week, just say mo, same mo, Maybe the hardest week of your life. Wherever you're at today, I believe that God wants to speak to you right where you're at. But I think it's important that we give Him permission, right? So let's give Him permission right now. God, we love you. We give you permission to do whatever you want to do over the next few minutes. Speak to us. We open up our mind and our ears to hear you. We open up our eyes to see you help us see you, Jesus. We open up our heart and our lives, our, cir- our, our circumstances, everything that's going on, and God, we give you permission. God, I boldly pray that every single one of us walk out of here different than when we walked in, even if it's just a little bit. We thank you so much for Jesus, and it's through Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, Luke chapter 10, we're going to jump right into the text here. Luke chapter 10, we're going to start in Verse 25. And the Bible says this in Luke chapter 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And he says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And Love your neighbor as yourself. He did really good. It's a great answer. Because Jesus said, right, right, do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions. He wanted to make sure he had all his bases covered. And so he asked Jesus, so just like um, who exactly is my neighbor? I want to make sure I get that right. I want to make sure I love them. So who is my neighbor? And Jesus, he just didn't straight up answer. He actually replied with a story. And Jesus said, a Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, this, was a, this is a notoriously dangerous road. The people, when they were hearing the story, would know exactly what that road was. It was actually about 17 to 19 miles, but a lot of crime happened on that. One of the nicknames of that stretcher road was the Red or Bloody Way, okay? so it's like, So they're like, oh, the Red and Bloody Way. That's what they're talking about. Yeah, and, um, and so they're on that, that stretch of road and it says he was attacked by bandits and they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest, this was a public man of God. In like today's like world and culture, it would have been a pastor. You know, this is somebody that worked at the temple. So a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, maybe your Bible says a Levite. This was another person that was connected in church. In our world, it would have been our dream team. So a a, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan. And by the way, right there, everybody would have gasped. Because the people hearing that story knew that, that, the, that the Samaritans and, and the Jewish people, they, they hate each other. They historically were, were like bitter enemies. And so a Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, here's a, here's a key phrase for what we're going to talk about. He felt compassion. He felt compassion for him going over to him. The Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, a hotel, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, which is actually two days wage. So it was two whole days of him working. That's how much it cost. But most scholars believe that that much money would have took actually two months of stay at that hotel. So he said, as long as it takes, I wanna make sure that I cover his bill. So on this notoriously dangerous road, there was a man that was hurt. He was beaten, he was robbed, he was stripped of all his clothes. In other words, he was absolutely humiliated and exposed, completely alone, and left for dead. And the truth is, there are people on your road There are people on my road that are hurting. Maybe it's even people you know, people that you work with, people that are around you, people that you come into contact with every single day that are maybe experiencing things just like this man on the side of his road. And I know it's true. And here's why I know it's true, because so many of us call Cincinnati home. Now, I love my city. How many of you love Cincinnati, man? I love my city. In fact, like in this whole church planning process, I believe that God has given like us and my family a supernatural love for the city. Like I know, it's not anymore that I think, that's out of my vocabulary, it's not that I believe, I know that I'm home. And when I say a supernatural love, meaning that when I moved my stuff off a U-Haul truck, I might as well be looking for my burial plot because I'm gonna love and serve this city to the day that we die, okay? I love this city. It's an amazing city. It's a beautiful city filled with amazing people, 2.1 million people in the greater Cincinnati area, beautiful people, amazing art, one of the coolest, most unique cultures that I've ever experienced in my life. And my goodness, the food. Let's just take a second. Let's give God praise and glory for the food, the restaurants, the dishes, the, my goodness, um, such good food, amazing. We have a beautiful city. It's, it's beautiful. But if you look closely, it's also a broken city. And there's a lot of things that are happening within our city that are right there. And so like there's amazing things that when we were in the church planning process that we would study and these things that would break our hearts, things like one out of three people living in poverty in our city, it's a lot of people. But not only that, 45% of kids living in poverty and statistics say that it's on the rise, that almost half of the people, half of the kids that are in our city fall below the poverty line, that are going to bed hungry each and every day. And not only that, there's crime rate that's three times that the national average. And many of you are affected by this next one, that there's this massive heroin epidemic that's going on where addiction to heroin is running rampant all around our area that results in so many overdoses and results in so many people even dying as a result. And there's many of you that I know personally that have been affected personally by this, either somebody in your family, somebody that you work with, somebody that that you're closely connected to. And this next one, man, I'm telling you, this next one breaks my heart. This next one is something that Absolutely, when, when there's a magnifying glass on this part of our city, there should be something inside of us that says, oh my goodness, that should break our hearts. And that's the fact that it's the fifth most segregated city in the United States. And it, it's heartbreaking. And that's just the social stats. If you deep dive into the spiritual stats of the city, you'll find things like that 34% of the population are unchurched. And of people that are 40 years and younger, 52% are unchurched. And church, here's the deal. All that, please hear me. Let's never get numb to this. Let's never let our hearts get hard to this. Let's never get used to this. In fact, let's never be okay with this, that this should break our hearts. There should be something inside of us that this fires us up and we say things like, this isn't right. Not on my watch. I can't just sit by anymore and let that stuff happen. This should stiffen our spines with courage to do something in our city. And in fact, one of our values, which our values, it's what we feel like makes us uniquely us. And we have 10 of them and it really helps determine our decisions, one of our values as a church is this, our city is our responsibility. So when we see those stats, we take the brokenness of the city personally and say, when we see them, it's like, no, no, no. Our city is our responsibility, that we just don't wanna be a church in the city, we wanna be a church for the city. We, that, that's why our name is Queen City Church, because, because we just, it's not just about this, okay, that's what Cincinnati's called and let's just call it that because we're not creative. No, like, we're, 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 we're a church that we just don't wanna be in the city. We wanna be a church that's for the city. And so when I see those stats, I recognize the fact that there's hurting people on our road, and if we're not seeing it, maybe it's because we're not looking. And it's not just stats, it's not just numbers, because I think it's so easy just to make it. Here's what it is, it's people. It's people. And those people, like, like people have names, and peoples have stories, and those stories matter so much, and that's why another one of our values as a church is what makes us uniquely us, is that people are our priority. People are not projects. People matter, and people matter to us because people matter to God. And think of it this way, that those stats, the things that you see, that's not, just, that's not only just people, it's our neighbors. And so when you read that passage that, that, that we read, and then you see all throughout the gospels, Jesus has asked this question, what is the most important commandment? Out of all the things in that book, what is the most important thing? And Jesus himself answers, and here's the Mark account in chapter 12. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. It's just as important as that. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And then I found this passage in 1 John chapter four in verse 21 in the message. It says, the command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. And so listen, here's what I recognize in, in, in a room this size with this many people, maybe you're here and you're one of those stats. Maybe you're here and you're hurting. Maybe you're here and you're going through maybe one of the hardest things you've ever had to go through in your life. And maybe you're here and you feel like an outcast. Maybe you're here and you're far from God. Look me in the eyes, welcome home. I want you to know that you are loved, accepted, welcomed, and valued here. That we are not a country club full of church people who got it all together. That we're a hospital full of sick people. And some of us just got here a little bit sooner and we're on our meds, okay? (laughs) Listen, we did not start a church for church people. We did not start a church for church people who have it all together. We started this church for you. And our mission as a church, our mission which answers the question, why do we exist? It says that that we exist to reach all people, all people, that no matter your age, no matter your race, your skin color, your gender, your political party, your sexual orientation, your background, how much money you make, what side of town you live in, or even what high school you went to. Whether you're close to God and you've been serving him faithfully for decades, or maybe you're super far from God and you're just trying to just figure this whole thing out. Basically, if you have a pulse, we exist to reach all people and teach them to have a relationship with God. Yeah, that's great. We can do that. And teach them to have a relationship with God that gets better and better. See, that was our mission when we launched our church. That's our mission right now in week 24. And that's going to be our mission in 24 years. We exist to reach all people and teach them to have a relationship with God that gets better and better. As long as our heart is beating and there's breath in our lungs, we will do everything within our power to be able to help as many people experience that mission. Why? Because there's hurting people on our road And that brings to number two is that there's always an excuse to pass by on the other side. There's always an excuse that even though there's some people that are hurting on our road, there's always an excuse to pass by on the other side. It says this in verse 31, by chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he, he also passed by on the other side. These were two good guys, two guys that were connected in the temple, two guys that were connected in church that loved and served God. For whatever reason, the church people passed on the other side of the road. And this is just rhetorical. Like, have you ever, because you don't have to like me, me, that's it. Like, have you ever passed by on the other side? I know I have, I know that there's been times where I've seen hurting, broken people, and I have decided to walk on the other side. And the reality is there's always an excuse to be able to pass by on the other side. And, you know, we don't know why they did, but they did. And when I started thinking about all the different excuses, I started writing some down. I started writing down things like, well, I'm just one person, you know, like it's, you don't, you don't understand, like what, like, what can I really do? Like, I've got 67 followers on Instagram. Like, what can I do? I, I work an insignificant job. I don't make a lot of money. I, I, like I, I, I don't even have a car. Like, how can I make a difference? Listen, what you have is enough. That if all you have is the gospel and the Holy Spirit, you've got everything you need. You may only be one person but you were made by God with a purpose and on, a, on purpose. And here's why, to make a difference. You and I were created by God with such unique personality and gifts, and that's what Growth Track is all about today. We wanna to help you discover those. So if you've never done that, I encourage you. It's amazing, it's like, it's an eye-opening to you of how God uniquely made you, and he did it for a reason, and he did it so that you can use the ways that God made you to make a difference on this planet but it's so easy to just say, well, I'm just one person. Maybe a, another excuse is this, I'm not blank enough. You know, I, I'm just, and you, and you fill in the blank with whatever it's easy for you to write down. Maybe it's I'm not good enough. You know, I, I, don't, I don't make the best choices, so who am I to make a difference? I'm, not, I'm just not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I, I, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't, I, like, I'm just not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough. You know, I'm not, I'm not a leader enough. Whatever the case is, I'm not blank enough. And we grow up in a culture, and you, like you know this, right? Like we grow up in a culture where only the really talented people make the team. We grow up where like the best of the best get on the team but then the best of the best of the best are the ones that actually get on the field. And a lot of times we feel like the same exact thing applies to walking with God and this whole church thing. or The really talented people are the ones that get up. The people that can do things like this, that can hold this, that can sing the way that these people, they're the ones that go and they make a difference. And then everybody else, just think about this, everybody else goes and pays money or shows up to watch the really talented people do their thing. But that's not what the church is. That when it comes to the kingdom of God, if you're on the team, you're in the game that there are no bleachers, there are no sidelines when it comes to Christianity. And I wrote this down, that the church is not built on the gifts and the talents and the resources of a few, but on the faithfulness and generosity of many. So it's so easy to say, I'm not blank enough. Maybe another excuse is, "I'm, I'm just too busy. We got any busy people here? Anybody that you suffer from being busy? Three people, that's great, awesome please tell me your secret, okay? (laughs) You know, some of us are moving so fast. We have no margin. A lot of times I think some of us, we don't even see the things that are going on because we're going so fast. I believe we said a few weeks ago that hurry is the enemy of love. And maybe the mentality that you have is, you know, I'll make a difference later. I'll, I'll, I'll do it one day. You know, whenever this season of life tries to slow down a little bit, you know, like whenever I get through this season at my job or, you know, whenever my kids grow up or maybe it's, it's whenever I'm not a newlywed anymore, whatever the case is, like whenever this season, I'll get to it when I'm not so busy. Listen, the devil, he doesn't mind if you change the world tomorrow. He just, he just doesn't want you to do it today. And so maybe, the final excuse that I wrote down is just, it's not my responsibility. It's not mine, it's somebody else. I don't know any, I, 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 don't, I don't, that's not my world. I don't know those things. I, it's just somebody else's responsibility. That's somebody else's problems. I don't have anything to do with that. Listen, if it's our road, it's our responsibility. And so there's hurting people on our road. There's always an excuse to pass by on the other side. So here's the real question, number three, Will I pass by on the other side or will I be moved by compassion? So the choice that you and I have to make today is to answer this question. Here's the so what. Will I pass by on the other side or will I like the man in in verse 33 be moved by compassion? When it says, then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion on him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine. And bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If the bill runs higher, I'll pay next time. I'm here. And I love that translation of he felt compassion. Cause if you study it in the original language in the Greek, it says this: to be moved with compassion, meaning he was deeply moved. Like that there was conviction. There it was like to his core that I have to do something about it. And if you read throughout the story of Jesus, you see many times where the same exact phrase, where Jesus himself was moved by compassion. I just pulled out three of many examples from the gospels that you could see. And I want you to notice that every time he felt this compassion, he actually was moved to action. Okay, so Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, it says, when Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. In Matthew 15 and 32, it says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I've compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. Matthew 20, verse 34, Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Listen, there's a big difference between feeling compassion and being moved by compassion. Because when you're moved by compassion, it means that you're moved to the point where you've got to do something about it. Let me, let me give you just a very practical example of the difference between just feeling it and being moved to it. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the commercials where you hear this song. I don't know if we have it. Do we have it, hear this song? Most of the time, getting emotional this is like the saddest song in human history and that's why they use it on the commercial of like adopting dogs you know the, the homeless dog population you see maybe some that are like wet and shivering and it really is sad okay like and I see that commercial and I'm like <laughs> I feel for them I feel compassion and this is me. Some of you are better humans than I am. I changed the channel, I just changed the channel. <laughs> so so th- there's a difference between that and like when my sons fall down. When my sons take a big, like, uh, like literally the other day one of my sons fell down our steps, okay? I just didn't be like, oh, my son, <laughs> you fell down. <laughs> Hurts me. No, I ran right to him. I ran right to him. I picked him up. I checked on him. How you doing? Is everything okay? I held him while he cried. I held him till he stopped crying. Because like, there's a difference between feeling compassion and being moved by compassion. There's a very big difference. So what does that practically look like in our day-to-day lives? How can you right now walk out of this place and walk out of Withrow High School and go and, and, and actually be moved by compassion. If you look at the story in Luke chapter 10, we can see exactly what the man did. And he did just two things that I wanna pull out. Here, here's one that we can do all do today. We can meet physical needs. We can meet physical needs. Like think back to the story. The man didn't just start preaching the gospel to him. You know what? I know you're there on the side of the road, but I want to tell you that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You know, He didn't get out the bullhorn. He didn't, he didn't even stop and pray for healing. What did he do? He stopped, and he took him, and he put him on his donkey, and he took him and took care of his lodging and paid his bill and made sure he had food and made sure that all the things that, that he had, and then he took care of the bill. He simply met his physical needs. So I'm telling you, if you want to be moved by compassion, one of the greatest ways that you can do that is to keep your eyes open and your radar up to see where you can meet physical needs. To find people who are hungry and give them food. Find people who are thirsty and give them water. Find people who need clothes and give them clothes. Find people who are lonely and be their friend. Find people who are struggling in school and tutor them. Find people who are struggling at your job and help them be more successful at their job. Be a good teammate. Maybe it's finding people who are sick and, and helping run errands for them. Like that's why, that, by the way, that's one of the reasons why we always provide in the lobby. And maybe you didn't even know that these were available. We have like this area that has these little cards that just say, here's a small gift to brighten your day. No strings attached. We call them random act of kindness cards. And I wanna encourage, like, if you call this church home, grab some of these, put them in your car, put them in your wallet, put them in your purse, you know, and just look for opportunities to be able to just be a blessing to somebody. Maybe it's just buying somebody's coffee, or maybe it's, it's, it's buying somebody's meal. Whatever the case is, just look for opportunities where you can just, I just want to meet some physical needs, and it's just here. We just want to give you this, not as a way to blast, you know, our church, but as a way to say, hey, here's a tangible thing to show you that we love you, and so does God. Just meeting physical needs needs. That's why we also do it corporately, that we do a lot of things, not just individually, but as a church, to be able to love and serve our city with no strings attached. So there's outreach groups, and there's like the first Saturday of every month, we have an event that we call I Love My City, that you can be a part of, where we just go and we love and we serve our city as much as we can. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we do, because here's the really the ultimate reason, is because we believe that meeting physical needs will open spiritual doors. So when we get a chance to meet people, you know what, somebody that's hungry, what they need? Yes, they need Jesus, but first they need, to, they need some food. And so we wanna, we wanna meet physical needs because we know that that opens spiritual doors. That's why we wanna feed people in Jesus' name. And so one way, one tangible thing that we can do is to meet physical needs. Here's the second, and it's to simply... Just bring people to church. Maybe it's just invite people to church. In the Good Samaritan, I love how it says that he got him to an inn, a a hotel. And most scholars believe that this hotel, it represents the local church where people are cared for. And so that's why we believe with all our heart that the local church is the hope of the world. In fact, we believe it's the local, the, the, the local church, the hope of Cincinnati, Ohio. That even on a more personal level, it's the hope of your family, it's the hope of your marriage, it's the hope of your workplace, it's the hope of the neighborhood you live in. The local church is the hope of the world. And it's the, it's the I believe the local church is the hope of every single one of the brokenness and stats that wrecked us at the beginning of this message. That literally the power of the gospel and a life-giving churches can flip those numbers upside down. I believe it with all my heart that the church is God's plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B. And I want us to realize the fact that God has put us all in our spaces, because like, you're around people that I'm never around. And I'm around people you're never around. And the person on the other side of the auditorium is around this other group of people. And we work with all different people. And we go to school with different people. And we have different people in our families. And I believe God's put us there to make a difference. And that's why I always encourage people to go around and as much as you can when you feel like God's leads you. Don't be weird, don't be creepy, okay? But whenever God leads you, to say these seven words that I believe with all my heart will change somebody's life. Will you come with me to church? And say it that way. Don't just say, hey, will you go to this church? Or will you go to church? No, like, will you come with me? Come with me, I'll meet you. I'll make sure you have a good time. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that you know exactly where to park and I'll make sure you know exactly the long walk and which door to go into and all the, like, will you come with me to church? And I believe that God could take those seven words and completely change somebody's life. If you call Queen City Church home, and I know many of you in this room do, listen, we are on a mission. We are on mission. We just don't wanna be a big church, but we unapologetically wanna make a big difference. And it's very important that you know that. So, let's recap. There's a lot of hurting people on your road. There's always an excuse to pass by on the other side. So what are you going to do? Will you pass by on the other side or be moved by compassion? See my prayer that I've been praying all week, that I've asked God so much, give me words, give me language to be able to get to a point where we as a church, we realize that the other side is no longer an option, that there's too much on the line, there's too much at stake that we can't ignore, we can't turn a blind eye, we can't hide comfortably in church, that when there's people in our city going to bed hungry, the other side is no longer an option, that when there's people that's in our city that think the only way out is suicide, which by the way, happened this week at Walnut Hills High School, an eighth grader. That when that happens on our watch, that the other side is no longer an option. When there's racial and cultural divides filled with hurt and anger and disrespect and judgment, the other side is no longer an option that when it's cultural norm to make it us versus them, based off skin color or sexual orientation or political parties or whatever, the other side is no longer an option. When there's lives and families that are being destroyed and people are going prematurely to the grave, due to strongholds or addictions, the other side is no longer an option. That when there's poverty, homelessness, crime, divorce, pain, depression, loneliness, brokenness, and people far from God, the other side is no longer an option. We can't do everything, but we can do something. I'm just telling you right now, ask for me and my house So my family and my church family, the other side is no longer an option. Can I get a good amen? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and just ask, God, what are you speaking to me right now? How can my life be different because of today? How can... Monday be a little bit different because of Sunday and today I want to offer two very specific responses two and the first one I want to give you an opportunity to get right with God to maybe start or restart a relationship with God because the truth is this Luke chapter 10 story is our story It's my story. It's your story. Because we were lost, alone, broken, desperate. And Jesus not only made a way and took care of us, he became lonely and he became outcast. And he took what was deserving to us and he took it on him. And Jesus made a way. And not only that, he paid our bill in full. Something that we could never do ourselves. We want to give you that opportunity to make the most important decision of your life, to give your, to give your life to God, to say, you know what? I want to start a relationship with God or I want to restart. I've gone off, I've done my own thing. and i But I know I'm far from God and I just want to come home. And we're not going to point you out. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. We're not going to ask you to come forward. But we do want you to take a step. And that step is that with Everybody with their eyes closed and nobody looking around for you to say, I want to make that decision today. I want to make the most important decision of my life and say, God, I want to give you my whole life. I want to invite you in. I want to make a decision to follow you and I want a relationship with you. So if that's you and you want to make that decision, I want you right now with courage to put your hand in the air and say, that's me. That's the decision I want to make. Yes, 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 yes. It's awesome. It's awesome. Hands up all over the place. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Okay, you can you put your hands out and just pray something like this in your heart say jesus i love you i need you i'm so sorry that i've lived my life without you i repent i turn i change my mind i change my direction will you come live inside me change me and make me brand new i surrender my whole life to you god i give you my past everything in my past my hurt my pain my wounds My disappointment, I give you everything in my past. I give you my present and I give you my future. And i make the decision today to follow you with everything that I am. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I wanna do two specific responses and that's the first one. And most of the time when we do these responses, we try to create an environment for you to be there by yourself with God. That's why we ask people to close their eyes and bow their head because it's something that that we want to make sure that it's a personal decision. And we don't want maybe everybody looking around to to create a time where it's like, it makes you pull back a little bit. But the second, I told you at the very beginning, I believe this is a line in the sand moment for our church. A day where maybe eyes were open. Maybe you've lived in this city and you didn't even know stats like that existed. Because I think it's so easy when you're there all the time, and you're right here. It's like, you know, that, that, um, that expression that you can't see the forest because of the trees. And it's a day of awareness. It's a day of conviction. It's a day where we say we can't do everything, but we can do something. It's a day where hopefully there's something that's happened in your heart where it's like, I can't just sit by anymore. I'm moved by compassion. The other side is no longer an option. And so if you're with me, and if I'm sitting right there in that seat, I'm responding to this. So no, I'm standing right now, but I'm responding right now too. And so if you're with me, and you say that the other side is no longer an option, I just want you to stand to your feet, and I want to pray for you because I believe that God wants to use you for you to stand up and say, I take, no, if it's our city, it's our responsibility. If it's my road, it's my responsibility. I'm standing up and I'm saying, I can't look away. I can't turn a blind eye. I can't stay in a church bubble. Like I know the other side is no longer an option. Whether you've been here for decades, whether you've been here for six, you just moved here. No, no, no. We love our city. And the other side is no longer an option. So God, right now, I pray for all of us. God, I pray that right now that you would put inside of our hearts and our minds a deep conviction. Something that changes us tomorrow. Something that changes how we see people at work. Something that changes how we see our city. God, if we have hard hearts right now, I pray in Jesus' name, would you break any hardness that's in our hearts towards brokenness in our city. God, if there's any judgment, if there's any hate, if there's any if there's anything that doesn't line up to your word right now, as a church, we repent and we change our mind and we change our direction and we line up to what you say and we step into what you have called us to do. God, that we know that you have put us here for a reason, on purpose and for a purpose. And God, it's not just for a church and an organization, it's for us as individuals that the individual coming together, the sum of our parts is greater than us individually. So God, I pray that you use our church in great ways in our city. God, I pray that you open up doors for us to be able to feed people. Open up doors for us to be able to clothe people. Open up strategies and give us vision and and strategy and and innovation for how to meet the brokenness of the city. And God, I just don't pray that we just meet those physical needs. God, I ask that also in the process that through individual acts of kindness, through corporate efforts that we do as a church, that you also open up spiritual doors. God, I pray that revival sweeps through our city like never ever before. God, I pray that hundreds and thousands and dare I say a million people come to know you, Jesus, because of what you're doing, not just in this church, but God, I pray and lift up every church in the city. And God, I ask that you bless every single church in the city. God, I pray that every church grows, every church expands, because we believe that the local church, not just our church, but the local church, is the hope of the world. It's the hope of our families. It's the hope of our jobs. It's the hope of each community. God, 52 neighborhoods make up this city. It is the hope of every single neighborhood. So God, use us. We say, yes, the other side is no longer an option. We can't do everything, but we will do something. So, God, thank you. Open up doors. Open up our eyes. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, come on. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People.